I've given up top flight football. I know my team is in it, yeah. but I don't care. Yeah, I know what you mean. Watford, yeah. the best thing about being in the Premiership is the same thing as the worst thing, which is 150 million <laughs> quid. Yeah, I know. I know, it's, uh, I, I kind of fell out of love with it for a little bit, to be honest. It's, there's too much money in it now. I mean, I, I was quite a regular supporter, but I, you just priced out of the market now. and it, It's so difficult to get tickets as well. It's, it's crazy. The only time I've been to Anfield, Kieran Smith, is for the two uh, Justice for the 96 friendlies. Oh, yes. Yeah. There's one in 2014... Yeah. Uh, one in 2012. I remember there was a yeah. Steve McManaman did a Rabona crossfield pass. Okay, yeah. Which is good. Yeah, I know he used to play for Real Madrid. And then when I saw it was the 25th anniversary, Gerard slipped over, uh, so uh, he he yeah. owned his he owned his mistake. Uh, but we're here um, to continue the chat. Uh, substitution replacing Jeff Goulding. It's his co-author, Kieran Smith. Untouchables comes out. Uh, in September, and this goes out yes. in Scouse Fortnight. I've got so many writers about Liverpudding yes. Club, including David Prentice. So if you want to say oh, hello. David, yes. yes. Hello, David. Yes, I know David. Yeah, uh, he's written a book about his coverage of Everton and indeed at the Liverpool yep. Echo for the last 35 years. Uh, and when I spoke yep. to Jeff, as you heard a couple of days ago, I said, look, we've yes. got six minutes to talk about this book. He said, no, 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 give Kieran a go. He runs the, what is it? The Liverpool FC... Her- oh, I should historical have written His- Yep, he runs the Liverpool FC historical group. Uh, so why not talk to him about the untouchables? So from what I gather, you are quite a big deal when it comes to telling us what used to go on Back in the old days. That's it. That's Back all in the I'm old doing. Days. That's <laughs> the one, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, to be honest, we're coming up to the 100th anniversary of the Untouchables, as they were called. Basically, it was the first Liverpool side to win the league back to back, back in the early 20s. But strangely enough, it's not very well explored. So there's not a lot of information out there. A lot of the information that is out there is dubious shall we say incorrect so what we wanted to do um, it was actually Jeff who approached me originally and it was our opportunity basically to plonk ourselves in a time machine and take ourselves back and just strip the team down and find out as much as we could about them and basically just tell their story as best we could but to be honest I think we've probably outdone ourselves because we have found so much information it is it's unbelievable what we've found it really is so you know we've gone through the usual census routes and all that kind of thing. Uh, we've had some of the relatives. We know we've got relatives involved. So they've been able to tell us a few things as well. Uh, I think probably the, the biggest thing for me that came as a surprise was the military side of it, you know, the World War One uh, careers, if we can call it that, that some of these players had and some of the things that they went through was pretty horrendous, as you can imagine. And then to come out of that and... You know, to become great football is it's uh, it's been quite a journey, and I say we found out quite a lot, not just about the the players, but the the team behind the team, if you like. Between the two, I was kind of coined it the, the Anfield's first boot room. You know, oh, it was good. Um, yeah, it, it, it was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And I think a good thing as well because I don't know if you ever recall going way back in the nineties. Now it seems an eternity ago, but. Uh, Harry Enfield, I think it was Harry Enfield and Chums, it was called, and he did a bit of a parody on 
um, old-fashioned football from the 20s and 30s. Yes. And, and they played, uh, obviously not the real team, but they actually played a Liverpool team of the modern era, so that would be the early 90s. And it, it was basically just taking the mick out of the team from the 20s or 30s. They were just chatting, smoking cigarettes on the pitch and just letting the Liverpool side get on with it. So I think there was this this feeling that probably football back then was probably not what it is now. You know, we'll probably just meet at the pub and then we'll just have a game and then we'll probably meet in the pub afterwards, that kind of thing. But they were so professional uh, and it was a real professional setup. And it wasn't just at Liverpool. I mean, this was across the board, you know, clubs really did take it seriously and, and that's I'm hoping that will come through in the book I really do because it's uh, obviously the fitness levels and that are probably a little bit better nowadays but certainly it was uh, it was a great setup, and I'm hoping that the book will come across and obviously tell their story and people can appreciate just how good they were It's a, a labour of love I would class it alongside Chris Lee's book which was about the stories of how football came to prominence in each country uh, he runs yeah. the Outside Right uh, website. Yes. And I'm sure you've spoken to Chris before because you are an historian. I try to be. Yeah. <laughs> Some people say I live in the past a little bit, but I try to be. You know, it's uh, it's just an area of interest I've always had. But obviously the, the football thing has really taken off now. And I think there's maybe it's because a lot of fans have probably lost touch a little bit with their clubs with the Premier League. I don't know. But there's... Um, there's this desire to find out more about the past. I think it's an important thing as well because obviously without it, there is no Premier League. You know, the, the clubs wouldn't be there. So I think it's important that we do know. Oh, hang on, hang on. Are, uh, you, are you saying football existed before 1992? Are you saying that when I, Tottenham when Tottenham Hotspur said Hugo Lloris makes his 300th Premier League appearance <laughs> and Steve Perryman spits out his tea because he has made 854 Tottenham appearances? Believe it. Believe it or not, Johnny, it did exist. <laughs> well, I, I don't remember it um, because I, I was born. I, I was born in 1988, so when I came to consciousness oh, wow, okay. up until 18 months ago, Liverpool were just an also well domestically an also ran, but of course yeah, uh, did quite true, well. Yeah. Uh, were you at? Let's yeah, just test your credentials as a true Scouser fan. Um, were you in Istanbul? I wasn't, unfortunately. I was a very poor student back then. That's okay. That's okay. So was I. Uh, Were you in um, Barcelona for the 3-0 down and were you at Anfield for the 4-0 win? I couldn't get tickets for that one, believe it or not. It's (laughs) been a while since I was at... uh... Trying to think, it's, to be honest, kids come along and obviously the money starts to go elsewhere, unfortunately. But... um... Obviously, I was there for the, not the final 2005, but I was at the Juventus game uh, for the quarterfinal. I'm trying to think now some of the, I mean, I missed a lot of the big European nights, to be honest. But um, I saw the run that they had in 2001 uh, Mm -hmm. for the UEFA Cup. Couldn't get to the final for that one. To be honest, I kind of lost touch with it a little bit. I think the money came into it and I live 100 miles away as well. So I've got the travelling aspect to that as well. Like I say, when you get a family, it's... uh, Unfortunately, football's taken a bit of a back seat. I'm certainly going to, to live football, shall we say. It's, Which uh, is why it's so important for you, I imagine, to be pioneering this historical page on Facebook, which has loads and loads of fans worldwide, but I imagine lots of a certain vintage in and around the Liverpool postcode. There is. I think 
uh, it was set up in 2017. We're now just under 10,000 members on there. I never expected it to happen this way, but I'd always kind of hoped that we'd, you know, we'd probably get ex-players in there, all the families. Uh, it's a bit of a roll call, to be honest. We've got uh, Tommy Smith's daughter in there. Uh, we've got Tommy Lawrence's family. Peter Thompson's family is in there. Uh, there's, there's quite a few. Very occasionally they'll get involved. You know, they'll post some memorabilia or something like that. It's a bit of a link to the past, but like I say, people are really enjoying it, and that's all that matters, really. And I kind of set it up as well because the fans have got all of these stories to tell, and it's quite a limited... Well, it certainly was a, a limited way of being able to tell those stories and share the memories, you know, show the ticket stubs, whatever... So that's one of the reasons I, I kind of set it up, really, was so that people could share their own memories, really. You know, that still goes on. It, it's really good. Click, I've just requested to join the Liverpool FC historical group. Do you agree okay, to okay. the group rules? Yes, of course. Be kind and courteous, no promotions or spam. Only posts relating to Liverpool FC between the years 1892 ah, yes. and 1992 are permitted. Yes. Keep your posts original. That's <laughs> it. We, we try and keep it. Unfortunately, I mean, people's definition of history is obviously very different. I mean, you know, people say 2005's history, but we kind of had to give it a bit of a date. I mean, we were quite open until very recently. Unfortunately, with the increased numbers of members, you get a lot of people just pumping a load of rubbish on there, basically, sometime. So we try and keep that to a minimum. And like I say, keeping it to a date format, which may change again in the future as we get a bit older. I suppose if the group's still going, we'll maybe make it a little bit later. But it, it, at the minute, it's kind of defined as 1892 to 1992. So, What's the capacity of the cop? Now? Uh, oh, blimey. Seated. Because I'm trying to imagine Seated. how many 9,700 people is. I think it's just under 13,000. Thereabouts. It's a big old cop as well. So that's the kind of shepherding you have to do for this group. And obviously, you'll get infiltrated yeah. by Evertonians and Mancunians. Which, we, you know, I don't mind that so much. Like I say, it, it's open to all. It's it's about football history. We get people posting on their... Oh, i trying to think what team. I think it was Strom's God Sets. Uh, I think the, the Norwegian team that Liverpool beat, 11-0. Uh, we had some of their fans on a couple of years ago and... It's just nice sometimes to get feedback, you know, from the like the other side of the fence, if you will, from the mm-hmm. away supporters and, and their memories of coming up to Anfield or playing Liverpool. Um, I actually interviewed one of their players as well at the time, and you know, getting their input on it. But it's open to all. It's not strictly, you know, Liverpool fans only. We've had a few run-ins with uh, certain people, certain members making derogatory comments about past players and things like that, which we really don't want to see, especially when the relatives are in the group. It's yeah. not good. So, but, no, it's it's, you know. it's like society. There'll always be rotten exactly. apples. You just have to take the yeah. apples and chuck them far, far away. Um, this is it. There are so many Liverpool players who have written books. There's a big, big scouse section in the football library, and it will be added to <laughs> because... The Uncomfortable Truth About Racism is John Barnes's new book. Yes. By the time this goes out, and we're talking on August 23rd, yeah. Liverpool okay. have played 2-1-2. Two, two. They're one of, is it four teams at the top of the table? Yeah. Yep, so yeah. looking it's good. looking good so far. Yep, 36 games to go. As I told an Arsenal fan earlier, don't worry, still 36 <laughs> games to get a point. 
Um, Plenty of time. <laughs> the um, Jamie Carragher, Stephen Gerrard, Fernando Torres, Jersey Dudek. Do you have a favourite Liverpool memoir? Oh, bloody. Uh, you know what? I don't really. I'm trying to think. I could keep you know, naming them. Dalglish. Um, yeah, Ruff. obviously Dalglish speaks for himself. You know, I mean, he's iconic, you know. So, obviously you've got to put... Uh, Put Kenny in there. Um, I recently read uh, British Grobbler's uh, autobiography. Yeah, which is pretty, pretty good. Didn't realise, to be honest, his history back home. In he was in the army, wasn't he, and and, and things. So I didn't really realise that, to be honest, until I read through that. But to, I just find myself. I, I don't really. <laughs> it sounds really weird, but I don't read that many books. Because You're allowed. I'm, you're allowed not to read books. There are podcasts. There are children. How old are your kids? It's, uh, I've got to remember now. I've got three of them. Uh, 13, 8 and 6. Soon to be 7. So. Ah, very nice. Uh, they, um, they keep me busy. I'm trying to find a post that went up. Um, I should have had it to hand annoyingly. But it's the Liverpool 11 in book form. I'm desperately... Pulling. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Got it. I, I, yeah, that was David Holgate, wasn't it? I think it was. This is the 1977 like. European Cup winning team, which was the first time Liverpool won the European Cup. I believe they've won it six times since, but you don't really hear much. Um, Ray Clements, Emlyn Hughes, Jimmy Case, Hard Case, uh, Case yeah. Kevin Keegan's first book, uh, and in central midfield, Terry Mack, um, whom I was... Yes. Who was, as we speak yesterday, along with Dennis Law, this is really yes. quite sad because both Liverpool and Manchester United have a club, great yeah. European Cup winners, who unfortunately, yeah. if they want to claim football as an industrial disease, how much of what you do in the historical group looks at player welfare? It's something that I've always, I don't want to say interested in, that's probably the wrong mm. word to use, because I'm actually not too far away from the village where Jeff Vassell used to live. Of course. Uh, I actually I was at school with his daughter Claire my wife is still friends with Claire so obviously he was should we say the first high profile case certainly that I was aware of uh, going back to must have been the late 90s now wasn't it when, 2002 when yeah, he died yeah so obviously it was quite close to home because like I say he was quite a local character and that was the first time you really started to hear about it but you can't you can't deny I think there has to be a link to football of a certain era, at least. Now, whether the authorities are, are looking into it or not, I don't know. I know that the Ashall family have, have been pushing it for a long time. You probably saw a couple of years ago the BBC did a, a documentary with uh, Alan Shearer. It's just getting the right authorities, shall we say, to recognise it, I think. But maybe there's a bit of a fear there uh, as to what that might lead to I don't know yeah don't know. it would open but, uh, the floodgates but I mean I it is it, it is quite clear and and the Daily yes. Mail who are a, a disreputable organisation I think the sports team have led the way here campaigning for dimension yeah. Mike Calvin wrote in his book State of Play how we need the funding I think he spoke to Dawn who is the campaigner yeah. um, I don't know if you've spoken to Dawn personally no 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 I mean this is the next big thing obviously we've had now 30 years of the Hillsborough disaster and now that looks closed yeah. at last and yet yes. not we've now got justice for the 97 is it Tony Bland yes, the 97th uh, it was Mr Divine who passed oh. away recently yeah so it's no um, longer the 96th 
Yeah, uh, Tony Bland was, he, he passed away just after Hills Ridden. Uh, he was, so he was 95, he was the 96. He was 96. Okay. And then yeah. that's not counting um, the suicides and the depression and the people who have been affected by uh, it. it. Countless. I mean, obviously, I'm in touch with people who were there, and yes. uh, yeah, it's obviously going back to the World War One. Uh, it's a similar kind of scenario. Years later, people are still suffering, and it hasn't gone away. So, and it's like, say, who knows how many have taken their own lives on the back? I just don't know. It's, it's horrendous, and it still hasn't gone away. You know, it's. I don't think it ever will do really fully for a very long time. And uh, Phil, uh, Phil Scraton's book, The Truth, and um, there's Adrian yeah. Tempany's book, which was so hot that it was prevented from coming out. I read a proof copy. Yes. It didn't come out, came out yeah. later. It is, it's a scary book because it begins with him caught up yeah. in the crush um, and, yeah. and then um, goes on to tell the story. And his conclusion is we should go to Germany where fans are treated like human beings. But Liverpool, <laughs> yeah. it looks like Liverpool yeah. will get the rail seating at some point. Um I don't think yes. it costs £77 to see Liverpool. Uh, John Henry definitely does not want to break off from the Premier League, is definitely not in cahoots with Man United, and we definitely shouldn't <laughs> mention that John Henry is not a great custodian. It, the, the whole Super League thing didn't come as a shock, I've got mm. to be honest. Uh, I said years ago that the, the Premier League, unfortunately... There's so much money. All clubs are getting a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but obviously there's a select few that are getting astronomical amounts of money. They're getting too much power. Unfortunately, that power seems to be that they can choose what they want to do without consulting supporters first. I don't think it'll be the last time we ever hear about it, but I think the way they went about it, it, it couldn't have been times worse, could it really? You know, We were all locked away. Uh, fans haven't been to the ground for... God knows how many months, and then obviously they, they stumped that one out of thin air, and it, it was it was shocking the way it was done. But I don't think it will be the last. I really don't. Like, so I just think they're getting too big for the boots. Basically, uh, there's a lot of power there. Also, I think there was probably with certain clubs, there was probably a little bit of fear that uh, probably their finances weren't the very best, and it might be best if they were in a pool with other big clubs, and um, you know, just making their own money. Or basically, it was. Um, but I think it will return. It may take a few years, but I think it'll, it will return without mm. question of a doubt. You know, it's... if you if you listen closely, you can hear Bob Paisley and Bill Shankly bickering in their graves. Were there any fan yeah. protests at the game against Burnley? I only saw the goals. Salah and Jota took theirs very well. Harvey Elliott looking brilliant, but then of course, because yeah. if you sign him at sixteen, he's going to be very talented. But were there fans singing and protesting against the Super League at uh, the home I'm games? I've not heard of that, no. Okay. Nobody that I've... I mean, I know a couple of people who went and they, they never mentioned that. It, it kind of annoyed me because I, I said at the time when it was first announced and there was all this uproar, and it obviously included Liverpool fans as well, and I was one of them, but um, I said, give it a few weeks, let it blow over. People have moaned about the money, they've moaned about this, that and the other. As soon as the transfer window opens and they start spending ridiculous amounts of money, it'll just get forgotten. And... That's what happens. It's crazy. It's like a board game, you know. It's just monopoly money being thrown around all over the place, and it's just—it's so sad. 
It's sad, ultimately, because they look so good. Chelsea look scary. Man City with Grealish look scary. Ferran and Sancho at Man United, scary. Let's not mention Arsenal. Well, yeah, okay, we can leave that out. But, yeah, it's it's true. The the football is just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. But it comes at a price, you know, and it's it's like I said, you know, a lot of people said, well, you know, I'm never going to the Premier League again after this. You know, they've got no time for the fans. But for every one person that says that, there's thousands queuing up waiting for a ticket. That's the modern game, unfortunately. It's it's become um, injected with the celebrity. And my theory is that there's so much peripheral money, not just the money slushing in from betting companies. And if you haven't read Philip O'Claire, his piece for Josimar unbelievable it's not just the agents and the representatives who are coining it and i'm not going to mention any names because i don't want to slander anyone but it's it's the way that even sky sports and bt sport and unfortunately the anfield rap and this is anfield and not that they're the worst um all these conglomerations and corporations and sponsors the money is slushing around there are bad eggs and at the same time you've got the Marcus Rashfords, I call it Kaepernicking. You've got them standing up for social issues because, yes, after all, yeah. they're human beings. And Liverpool, yeah. which always looks after its own, has to be forward-thinking enough. You've got the food banks. Oh, no sorry. one in Liverpool yes. should have access. Not have access. They should all have access. No yeah. person in Liverpool should use a food bank. No, of course not. No. But as you say, it's fans are leading the way and they were taking... Uh, Everton do it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they take yes. collections and, uh, and they're encouraged to do so. But it's like you said before. Again, that's kind of a reflection on society, isn't it? It's um, but the fans are are leading the way, and obviously sometimes the authorities, governments, and what have you, are a bit slow to, to kind of react to that if they ever react at all. Unfortunately, but um, it, football is almost secondary sometimes, you know, and it's that's really it should never be like that. Well, here's know? my theory. <laughs> Here's another theory. I think I brought this up with either Jeff or David. If Andy Burnham started his own party and Gary Neville, Robbie Fowler as the housing minister, obviously. um, Of course, yes. I'd vote for it. If they put a sensible lot of policies, Burnham cares a hell of a lot more about the people of the North than, I don't know, let's say Richard Sunak. Yeah, he just understands the people, wants to understand the people, sees the problems, tries to address it. Again, I mean, I've, you know, I work for the NHS. I work in the local hospital, and I've, you know, I've seen it over the last eighteen months or so. Governments aren't great. <laughs> That's all I can really say yeah. on that. Well, in fact, you know, I'm actually I'm I'm resting my phone on Rachel Clark's book, Breathtaking, and it begins okay. with someone on a ventilator. And Rachel has led the way, just saying, "Listen yeah. to me. I know more about what's going on than yeah. Matt. I'm not going to mention his name, um, but uh, yes." This football library, I should say. You get your library card. Now, we'll talk about the team of the untouchables of the 1920s, first of all. But is there a player of the modern era that wraps up, sends you into raptures more so than any other? And by the modern era, I do mean kind of 80s onwards. Wow, for me, I mean... I didn't really appreciate Maradona so much, but uh, for me, the, the standout for me was Zidane. Um, I thought he was an exceptional player. I really did. And I was really quite into Italian football. Obviously, in the 90s, we had Channel 4, was it Gazetta or whatever it was Jimbo. called back in the 90s? Well, there were a couple of names, wasn't it? Gazetta Football Italia, Gazetta della Sport. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, obviously, back then, the Italians seemed to have all the money. 
and uh, there were some great great players then going back to 2005 when the Juventus game they got uh, Buffon in goal uh, Del Piero Fabio Cannavaro and I, it was just just amazing to see him the Italians have always had great teams certainly international level they've had some really amazing players uh, obviously Liverpool you've got to put Steve G in there haven't you I suppose he's been just a phenomenal player but going today I think you look at people like Trent Alexander-Arnold I think you know he's come through the ranks so to speak still a young lad uh, he's got a, hopefully a long career ahead of him um, he's done alright so far he's looking pretty good and he mentioned Elliot as well it, it kind of made me laugh because a lot of people say no Liverpool they've not spent any money they've not spent any money you know, they're to. not going to do very well this season but I think Jurgen probably knows what he's doing and he knows what he's got there and, and Harvey Elliott has, has looked pretty much you know way beyond his years anyway uh, obviously he was on loan last season wasn't he uh, but he didn't look out of place at the weekend uh, he's, he's got our moments of course you know he's still a teenager but um I think he's got a big future ahead of him. Yeah, I, really do. I think he should want to watch. We've seen some top teams come through at Liverpool. In fact, I'm writing a book on the FA Youth Cup and Liverpool lost All right. the final. They won it in 2019. Um, yeah. And Glatzel is now at Barnsley, I think, this season. Glatzel was the guy who scored okay. the winner. So, But yeah. uh, just looking at the 11 for the Liverpool-Juventus game, you know Dudek didn't play in that game. Yeah, I was trying to th- think who was in the Liverpool team. Recently, he's at, he's at Man City at the moment. Oh, blimey, yeah. Tell me his name, please. Put me out of my misery. Scott? Uh, Carson. Carson. And the rest of the team, yes. uh, of course, blame it on the Finan, blame it on the Biscan, blame it on the Harman, blame it on Traore. Oh, yeah. Although Harman didn't play. Blame it on Traore. Hupia, Carragher, Luis Garcia, Gerard Biscan, Risa, Risa, Letalek and Barros. Anthony Metallic started in that it, game. It amazed me that night when I sat there and I, I went up, you know, my dad was there as well. I turned to my dad and I said, you, you look, this was before kickoff. And uh, kind of looked at each other for, you'd read now the teams of George Sefton on the mic over the, you know, the tunnel over there, reading the teams and that. And it was, how the hell did we get here? <laughs> you know, it was just, but Benitez just, seem to get the best out of his plays especially in knockout competitions I don't know what it is about him he, he just he just did it and you know, I say Letalak was one of these players that were brought in uh, Julie obviously signed him I think and uh, he was going to be the next big thing Barosh was going to be the next big thing but they never quite were the next big thing but they just got the results and like I say you look back 2005 it wasn't a vintage Liverpool side but they did it, you know, and it, it was it was an amazing feat. It really was. Well, I don't think any money was spent um, in that team. It's all really, really good professionals. And then yeah. um, Rafa, who is the football nerd, if if <laughs> I think I want yeah, maybe maybe I'll have like a tactics cabin, a porter cabin, where someone like Benitez and hit Michael Cox can sit there and just do all the tactical stuff. But yeah, this, yeah, this Liverpool team, there's, there's no stars here. Not really. Not really. It was big team effort, uh, you know, to get through that competition anyway. You, you don't get through with individuals, really. It is a team effort, but that certainly was. Del know, Piero, Trezeguet, Ibrahimovic. Yeah, Trezeguet, yeah. yeah, I know. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Oh, I say, you know, people like Cannavaro in there as well. It was just, well, they knocked them out. <laughs> it was just unbelievable. 
Crazy. Yeah, April, April 5th, 2005. One of Liverpool's great nights. Have you read Jamie Carragher's book, Greatest Games, which is out in paperback now? I was actually bought that uh, by a friend. I'm sort of I've not got around to reading it yet because we, I've kind of got, got these books sort of stacking up and ready for when we finish the Intouchables. So that's, <laughs> that is there to read, but yes, I have got it. Now, that is the horrible thing, because I'm, I'm doing a lot of research about the Youth Cup, so I've got books to read for that. But at the same time, I'm yes. trying to fill this football library in. Uh, and I'm so delighted, Kieran Smith, that uh, you have come in to talk about The Untouchables, which is out now as this goes out. Yes. And I think it's a masterpiece from what I've heard. Uh, yes. <laughs> and we'll talk yes. about it after this break. 